Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are into a subject in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that is not very appealing to most Christians. Namely, that serving Christ is costly. It requires sacrifice. It involves hardship. It requires that we be willing to face hardship and to pay a price in order to serve the Lord. And too many Christians are reluctant to do that. I'm willing to serve the Lord if it's easy. I'm willing to serve the Lord if it's not inconvenient. I'm willing to serve the Lord if it isn't costly. But if it's going to be difficult, then no thank you. Wait a minute. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. Therefore, glorify God in your body as well as your soul. Because all of it belongs to God. Oh, we need to remember that. Paul is talking about that in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter six. We've seen how he opens the chapter with a warning. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, don't claim to be a Christian when you've never been born again. Don't fail to avail yourself of this grace of God, this grace of salvation that has come to you so freely, and yet it does require repentance from sins and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are going to play a game and pretend to receive Christ without any true interest in renouncing your sins and so forth, then you are, as it were, receiving the grace of God in vain. It doesn't do you any good. Here it is, the wideness of God's mercy, but it doesn't do you any good because you are playing games. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. But understand that this wide mercy has come to you not because God was obligated to do it. That's one reason why it was not available to the Gentile world before the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You say, what is the reason for that? Well, a couple of things. But one is so that we wouldn't take it for granted. But we tend to take it for granted anyway. Because now for 2,000 years, there has been a wideness in God's mercy. And it's very easy for us to come to the conclusion that there's just this general wideness at all times in every place. And we don't value it like we should. No, it hasn't been that way for most of the history of mankind. That's one of the reasons why, no doubt, it was not available before the resurrection of Christ, is so that we would not take it for granted 
And another reason is obviously, to me, obviously, to show that God is sovereign in salvation, and he arranges these things as it pleases him. That's a tough one for for many Americans. We have this idea that what God does for one, he's obligated to do for everyone. No. What God did for Abraham and for Abraham's seed, for the nation of Israel, he did for them and did not do for the rest of the world and wasn't obligated to. But they did the same thing that I was warning you about. Namely, they took all that undeserved mercy for granted as if it were their birthright, and many of them went to hell because they received, as it were, the grace of God in vain. Don't do that. Don't do that. But then Paul goes on to talk about the costs and the hardships of the ministry, and that's where we left off yesterday. So thank you for joining me on this Thursday, January 19, and thank you for supporting us financially so that we can continue this ministry. Well, here's the reminder that serving Christ is demanding. Verse 3, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. We live godly lives, and we're willing to, to forego privileges and even liberties that are allowed to us in the Word of God, but we're willing to give those up if any of those would become an obstacle to the gospel. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but, and now he goes on to talk about some of the minister's afflictions, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, and he goes on, but we'll stop there. Yes, serving the Lord Jesus Christ does have a cost attached to it, and there are many afflictions that come to those who are willing to serve the Lord. There are general pressures like tribulations and needs and distresses. There are imposed hardships like stripes and imprisonments and tumults. There are self-imposed hardships like labors and sleeplessness and fastings. Let's look at these. General pressures, tribulations, needs, and distresses. He tells us that in the last part of verse 4. In much patience and then in tribulations, in needs, in distresses. In tribulations, as a general term, it has the idea of afflictions or pressures. This is certainly true of Paul as an apostle, but it also applies to all ministers of the gospel. In fact, it applies to all Christians who are willing to to become servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we endeavor to serve him, we are going to face tribulations. We're going to face afflictions. We're going to face pressures of all kinds. Mine are not going to be exactly the same as yours, and yours are not going to be exactly the same as mine. But we're all going to have them. Pressures of many kinds. From the standpoint of pastoral ministry, I could tell you about a lot of pressures that have come to bear upon me over the years. That's one thing that I have come to appreciate is the fact that the longer I pastor, the less these pressures trouble me. It's not that they don't 
occur. It's not that they don't touch me at all, but they don't tend to to uh, throw me quite as much as they did in my early years, and I'm thankful for that. It's a matter of maturity. It's a matter of experience. It's a matter of having been through things like this before, and they really seemed like they were going to destroy the ministry, but they didn't. God brought brought us through faith. Um, brought us through, faithful to his promises, and having seen him do that again and again and again, they aren't quite as frightening as they were in the early years. That's a real blessing. Old age has its benefits. It also has its its own tribulations, doesn't it? Its own afflictions that have to do with bodily illnesses and so forth, weakness and less energy and various things. But There are some real advantages to having been through many dangers, toils, and snares, wrote John Newton. I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. Tis grace will bring me home. And to have an assurance of that based upon long experience, seeing God do it again and again and again and again. I don't know how many times. I've gotten on my knees in prayer and prayed for the Lord to deal with certain problems, but then reminded God that he has been faithful in the past, and I'm confident that he will be faithful in the present, and also reminded God and reminded myself, and I don't have to remind God of anything, but reminded myself as I pray to God, Lord, this is not my ministry, it's your ministry. It's not my church, it's your church. It's not my people, it's your people. Now, in a sense, it feels like it's my people. And in one sense, it is my people. It's the people that God has entrusted to me, to pastor, to shepherd. They are my people. In one sense, it is my church. It's a church that God has given me to pastor. I'm not responsible for the church down the street, but I'm responsible for this church. In that sense, it is my church. It has been given to me as a responsibility and an opportunity. But in another greater sense, it's not mine. It's not It's not mine. It's his. So, Lord, if you allow this pressure that's coming to bear right now to remove me from the ministry, that's all right. I'm your servant. I serve at your at your desire. As long as you desire me to serve, I'm going to serve. As long as you desire me to serve, nobody's going to be able to stop me from serving, not as long as you want me there. I serve at your pleasure. But when the time comes that you don't want me to do that anymore, I don't want to keep trying to do it a day longer. It's kind of like Moses when the when God told him that he was not going to go with the children of Israel into the promised land. He was done with them. They were so sinful, he was just going to let them go on their own. And Moses said, oh, no, no, no. He pled with the Lord. He said, wipe me out. Take me out. Blot my name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. But please don't forsake these people, and he gave God a number of good reasons why God, in Moses' mind, should not do that, and God, though he did withdraw himself in some ways from his people, he did not forsake them, even though they weren't worthy of his presence, 
But how could they go on? How could they go on? How could they make it through the wilderness? And how could they conquer the land of Canaan apart from God's presence, God's blessing, God's intervention? They couldn't do it on their own. Moses knew that. If God wanted them to drive out the Canaanites, then they could and they would. If God didn't want them to, then they couldn't and they wouldn't. It's as simple as that. If God wants me to continue in this ministry, then nobody can stop me. If God wants me out of the ministry, then I can't stay in, no matter matter how hard I try. I'm, I'm fighting against God. If God wants our church to, to be stable and continue and to thrive and to grow, then nobody can prohibit that from happening, even though it's clear that the devil doesn't like it and there are agents of his that are warring against it, but they can't succeed. But if God is through with us, if God writes Ichabod over the door, the glory has departed, then there's no way that we can make this ministry fruitful and successful. It may it may continue, but it's not going to continue as a word-centered, gospel-centered, faithful ministry of God. It'll become a just a run-of-the-mill, ordinary, powerless church that's basically just a social gathering of people without much of anything for eternity going on. And God may even remove it completely. God is in charge of these things. And we will face afflictions, and we will face pressures, and we will face tribulations. Are you ready for it? Are you willing to endure that for the sake of Christ? Is Jesus worth it? Your answer to that question settles the whole matter. If Jesus is worth it, then give him your all and leave it to him, and everything will be just fine. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.